Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Brad, you notice the photo that I use for the slate here? This is for the video folks. For the for the audio folks, we'll explain it in a second here. So I'm going to play it again. I'm going to show you again. Yep. Do you understand what photo that is? Is it another Game 6 Clay? It's Game 6 Clay. And that's who Clay Thompson channeled. He channeled his inner Game 6 Clay tonight. Though... I don't know. Did you feel like that performance was, it wasn't as epic because uh, was that, that game was on the road, I think, right? Yeah, that photo was the OKC crowd. Yeah, that was the OC, OKC crowd. So, uh, But it was close. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better performance by Clay Thompson tonight. That was pretty amazing. I agree. I felt like, you know, he came out hot and then it felt like, a third quarter, maybe fourth quarter too, Clay. I felt like uh, that went a little silent in the second quarter. I can't really, like, game six, Clay, like the most recent one is Toronto, and he got hurt. That was when he tore uh, his ACL. Yeah. yeah. So that's the most recent one that I can remember, and I can't remember if that specific game was just, like, dominance through every quarter or if it was just, like, spurts through those couple uh, runs where they, you know, rely on Clay to hit a three in transition. So... The the ebbs and flow of this game were, were pretty tough. This very much resembled, uh, I would say, actually, the, it, it was much. It was a much better offensive game than Game Four. Game Four was more of a rock fight. This this game at least had some shooting, but there were moments where the Warriors, their shooting just went away. Like you know, they they were making. I think they had what seven threes in their first 30 points or something like that, uh, or maybe even less than that, 25 points or something. And then they went on a uh, 0 for 11 streak from from shooting three. So it was very up and down. And there was a moment there where I was like, even though we're winning this game by one, it just seems like Memphis is playing a lot better. But the one caveat in which the Warriors were consistent all the way through was the rebounding. And that leads to my... First point here in our three points, every game we have three points. My first point is uh, Looney starts the game and he changes the tra- trajectory of it from the start. Kavon Looney, uh, I-, I think we-, we were all in the text going like, oh, it's got to be pool. It's got to be pool. And mm-hmm. then when it was when it was Looney, I kind of gave a little bit of a sad face. 
and uh, Richard Jeff, aka Barry Bonds, corrected me very early in this game. He was like, Loon's been the starter all season. Like, they're going to go right back to how they've been playing all year long with Looney as the starter. They're not going to miss a, a, a beat with him starting. And I was like, yeah, you know what? And he was good this year. Like, Looney starting was a really solid rebounder defender. He's never going to be good around the rim. He, he's got butterfingers like nobody's business. But, mm. man, it was nice to see him. And I don't know how many minutes he played, but... Jeez, I have it. I want to ask you right now. Okay, go for it. it. So what surprises you more? Looney, 35 minutes or 22 rebounds? Uh, I kind of think the 35 minutes. I think so too. I think so too. Lots of like 13 and like 11 minute games in that Nugget series. Like 35 for Kevon, man. You know, he had that... um, this season, it was his goal to play all 82, and he did, yeah, but yeah. it wasn't like 35 minute all 82s. It was like, it'd be, I'd be surprised sometimes if he got to the 20s. Yeah. He had more all 82s than uh, Anthony Slater did. Um, <laughs> so Looney, I think he's the unsung hero. He's the secret MVP of this game. I think Clay's going to get all the write ups, right? Like if you, if you write in a lead story. On this game, you lead with Clay because game six Clay, that's that's the thing that people remember. Uh Steph shot making at the end after he I I don't know, they had him all out of sorts, all out of rhythm. He was four for seventeen shooting at some at one point during this game. And then Draymond closing in that fourth quarter. Those are probably the three stories that you're writing if you are writing uh what was your second one? Game. Steph? Yeah, Steph closing the fourth quarter. I mean, closing the game, essentially. But I think the most important part of this basketball game, I'm actually going to go two other places here. And then I'm interested to hear what you think. One is Looney. The rebounding, the uh, holding off, you know, I don't know how many rebounds Jaron Jackson had, but I don't remember a big rebound for him when they needed one. He had four. You know, your boy, Steven Adams, who you were just singing the praises of, MVP Steven, I think you called him. Stop. He had 10 rebounds, right? But he did, he did, not, he did not feel like he was that big of a factor. Like, the, the two biggest factors in this game were Dylan Brooks and Desmond Bain. They were just out of their mind. Uh, and, you know, Ty Jones kind of came back to life, though. I'm not disrespecting that guy ever again. He, he, played, so, <laughs> he played so well this series. Yeah. And, you know, in the shadow of Ja tremendous but looney shielded off at adams had 10 jaron jackson had four tice jones is actually the the second leading rebounder brandon clark a big nothing burger for brandon clark again and a lot of that was just looney holding his ground um and so sort of the second secret mv mvp this game is a guy whose all-star jersey you were thinking about buying and then decided at the very last minute that you didn't like the color. And that is Andrew two-way wigs. What a, what a second half of this game for him. Amazing. Crazy second half. Yeah. Um, by the way, just to back that up a little bit, I wanted the red one the whole time, but they never had it available to buy. That's the one I wanted. But then we went to the Warriors store and they had the blue one. And it's like, he didn't even play on that team for the all-star <laughs> game. I would have bought it if it was the red one. Um, 
But yeah, the Wiggins cruddy first half, but you know, he brings more than just offense, but yeah, Richard Jeff, AKA Barry Bonds. And by the way, we say Barry Bonds because you say that he sounds like Barry Bonds. <laughs> he does sound Richard like Jefferson, Barry Bonds. AKA Barry Bonds made sure to note that Wiggins was one for nine going into the third quarter or was yes. one for eight. It was one of the two. Well, and what he, he said, said, yeah, what he said was, is this is an all-star and exactly, you have to yeah. play like an all-star in the playoffs if you're really an all-star. And I think we should clip that moment and then count up his literally like he goes <laughs> zero for zero zero for zero from there and then from that moment how did he play because i think it was like it was crazy he was awesome he was everywhere heard him. and he exactly heard yeah. him, right yeah. hit the big shots but then obviously what doesn't get you know um you don't completely remember it or you know you might look over it but because it's not a block it's not a steal it's not a three-pointer but it's just good defense on like Dylan Brooks, who's trying to make a layup. And that starts a run where Steph gets that three over Steven Adams, who's not really like looking to close out until the last second. Like that was because Wiggins got a stop on the other end. So I just think that, you know, what he brings defensively is already a plus in my mind. I said this with Otto a little bit, but like if he can just bring it offensively, that is just like so big for the Warriors. I think his problem and not what his problem was maybe, but I don't know if it's solvable in the playoffs, but he was bobbling a lot. It was reminding me of last year's James Wiseman. Yes, that guy would bobble everything. Wiggins was bobbling so much in the beginning. And I think I don't know. No, I actually think I know your points. I don't think we're going to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies defense. But I think that defense, because these guys have seven foot wingspans, a lot of them, you know, they're the lengthy and they're tall guys and they're athletic guys. It makes every possession uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that is just, you know, Wiggins does bobble the ball. But I think it was more like I saw it so much more today just because like maybe he's thinking, oh, my God, this guy's going to be jumping over my back in a couple of seconds if I don't get the shot off quick. But I think, yeah, Wiggins, amazing, amazing performance. That would be my three stories would be Clay, Looney and Wiggins. Sorry, Steph and Draymond. I didn't really feel the energy <laughs> until the end there. After talking all that crap, dancing the whoop that trick, after Draymond in the press conference, like not in his head or whatever he was doing in the press conference that made it sound like they were going to whoop them this game. You know, I wasn't feeling it from them. OK, but and we'll, we'll get to that. Well, I'll, I'll save my my piece on them uh, because I do think we should we should talk about them. Because uh, the Warriors won by 14. Uh, but if you look uh, deeper into the numbers, the actual starting five of the Warriors, and a lot of that was cl- the close. Um, you know, they, they played they played very well together, the, that starting five. So some of that is obviously Draymond and Steph. OK, so I wanted to read two Anthony Slater stats here. So Anthony, he's 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 two way Slater, man. He's he had this stuff up really quickly. The Warriors had 70 rebounds tonight to close out the Grizzlies. That's an NBA high for rebounds by any team in any game this season. Looney had 21. Draymond had 15. Wiggins had 11. (laughs) 45 defensive rebounds, 25 offensive rebounds. Okay, so that that, you know, that they were just they they put it to their mind that after last game, you know, they, they needed to to do some of the fundamental things that that got them there uh, in this game. So the uh, the next one. So this was in the midst of this run. Andrew Wiggins makes a three. He gets a steal and a dunk, which was really uh, Brooks dribbling the ball off his foot, which he <laughs> did like two or three times. And he got yeah, yeah, bailed out by the referees one time. Then after the steal and the dunk, Andrew Wiggins stop uh, gets a stop on Dylan Brooks. That's the one I'm talking about. Leads to a Steph Curry three, so he was at the center of the biggest 7-0 run in the game. So that is Andrew two-way wigs. Uh, I, I feel like 
there there were moments in that Denver series where I think we were like, you know, Wiggins's box score may not be sexy, but the stuff that he does, it it just affects the the court in a way that nobody. I would say Draymond does as well, but Draymond doesn't have to pick up you know these little wings like like Wiggins does, uh, because the flip side is, you know, Steph had a couple of really good. One on one moments, but he also had a lot of Dylan Brooks shooting right in his face and making threes. And Jordan Poole was an absolute ghost on defense again today. Unfortunately, uh, he was getting jittery. He he didn't want to get screened. So instead of fighting through it or going over the top, he decided to go under it. And there were a, there was one where he was about 15 feet away from the actual shooter and they buried one. And then there was another there was another um, situation where I think they only had like two or three seconds left on the shot clock. Somebody had the ball and they were like in no man's land and they passed it off to uh, Melton. And and Jordan was right there. And instead of getting wide and long, Jordan got skinny and <laughs> Melton went right by him and scored with like one second left on the shot clock. But there was moments like that where. You know, we talked about we. You know, we we we're not going to rail on pool too much. I think I did a lot of that last game, but it's you know it's a tough love thing because I love that guy so much. There's so many things that he does well, and I just want to see, you know, I just want to see the consistency on the defensive end. Um, you know, throw up some of these comments here from the people watching. Robert Ramos, of course, uh, good friend. Glad to see the Warriors back in the Western Conference Finals, of course. Um, he said at WFC, I think he's thinking about soccer. He meant uh, WCF. Um, and then uh, Mark Nobita, Loon, he's a big Loon guy today. And uh, also Eddie Love, Looney. I'm not sure who Eddie Love is. It's interesting. We'll, we'll have to figure out who Eddie Love is. At first I thought it was your uncle for a second. Um, all right, so my second point... Uh, about this game is uh you know clay was the first half star without those big threes that he made in the first half i'm not sure the warriors are that close with the grizzlies because he was bailing them out he was able to catch and, and shoot in rhythm you know what he wasn't doing a lot of is the thing that was bothering us which is pump faking his way into more defense than if he just shot it instead. Like he's trying to do the Steph thing where Steph pump fakes, they pass over, he steps to the side and he shoots and Clay's not as quick on it. So sometimes he just pushes himself into the other defender and, and they get a hand on him. He didn't do that a lot. He was just getting it and shooting it, getting it and shooting it, getting in rhythm. And he was in a great rhythm. I think he ended up with uh, 30 points. And I'd be interested to see how many of those were in the first half. He was 11 of 22, 8 of 14 from three, uh, eight rebounds as well. Some tough ones. All the Warriors had tough rebounds. Steph had seven. Uh, These guys were battling because they had to, right? If if Looney's going to box out, you know, uh, Adams and Draymond's going to box out Jackson, then it's up to Wiggins and, and Clay and Steph to battle Brooks and, and Desmond Bain and Tyce Jones to get rebounds. And, I, and those guys uh, out-rebounded their guard counterparts by a large margin. And that is probably a little understated. People probably aren't even really thinking about that, but also a big part of this game. 
but uh, in the second half, and we talked about it, it was it was Wiggins both offensively and defensively. You, you with your uh, your Richard Jeff Barry Bonds comment, you kind of stole a little bit of what I was going to say, but we can we can quickly move on. But yeah, I mean, he was tremendous, and you know, there's a the Warriors are going to have a problem at the end of next year. Andrew Wiggins' contract's going to expire, and then they're going to have to pay Jordan Poole. And essentially, what you're going to do is you're just going to flip-flop their contracts. Wiggins leaves. Jordan Poole gets Wiggins' deal, pretty much. It's not going to be exactly. But man, I think they need Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> Especially in series like this, right? Like, he he Andrew Wiggins does what... Brooks and Bain do on the other side, which is their nose is is near the basketball. They're, you know, they're going after shots. Even even if you know, the Warriors are making them, like they're contesting hard. They're going to the bucket hard, and they're not afraid to get knocked down. Like that's that's the the toughness that those guys have. That I would like to see a little bit more in Jordan Poole, but Wiggins is like that Wiggins, like you said, he fumbles a lot of stuff. He fumbles the ball a lot. He drops passes. He he has the little, the little bunnies and leaves it short somehow when he can As a literally Wiggins. jump and just drop the ball. Cause he can jump so high. It's classic wigs. But at the same time, he's also battling and he's also finishing over guys. Um, so uh, yeah, they're going to have a, an interesting problem. Uh, by the end of uh, next year, depending on what they can do with the money, because Wiggs is very valuable, even if his box score isn't always uh, super sexy. Uh, do you think it changes at all, depending on what Steph, Clay, and Draymond look like in after next, next year? year? If you if you think yeah, if you think they can go another three or four years, like I, that might be what Steph's like thirty four or thirty three right now. If you think he could push it at an elite level to like thirty six or thirty seven, do you think that would change your decision on if it's Poole or Wiggins? If you had to make the choice, CP, he's gonna be CP, yeah. old man CP. Um, so this, so my, I'll tell you my ultimate worry. Now I didn't want to say any of this because uh, I'm a little superstitious and I didn't want to jinx anything, but my main worry about this series was you remember that, uh, that commercial and, and Jalen Rose always mentioned it. He would always say that, uh, he would, if he was, uh, if he was Chris Paul, he would have never let that commercial where Chris Paul's going down the escalator and Steph is coming up the escalator. Yeah. Do you remember that commercial? Yeah. And so I was like thinking, like, if the Warriors lose this series after being up 3-1, it's kind of a similar traje- trajectory. But I think the the front office thinks that, okay, we have Wiseman coming back. Kaminga and Moody are going to be better players next year, and they will be a little bit more supportive to this current uh, cast and, and and if that happens, if you know, pie in the sky, I, th- I think that that could be helpful. But my worry was that this is like a sneaky chance for the Warriors because of injuries, because of age. You know, we saw that really weird calf injury that was really a back injury with Draymond. Like that doesn't generally happen to younger players, and it's just the wear and tear of this six six dude having to guard. 275 pound centers all, all game long, right? And so my worry was just that 
they were going to be going down the escalator and Memphis is going to be coming up the escalator. <laughs> now they won this series. It's going to be the same thing with the Suns, right? Outside of CP and Jay Crowder, the Suns are young and they're fast JaVale. And, and they're long. Oh, JaVale. Yeah. Bismack Biombo. Well, but, but yeah, those guys, those yeah. guys aren't those guys aren't the the main you know the the main the main piece of that team, um, you know it's it's Aiton and it's Booker and it's um, Mikael Bridges, it? yeah, Bridges the wing. So it's going to be a similar thing. It's going to be the old heads, the guys who know how to play winning basketball, versus the hungry guys who got a taste of the NBA Finals last year. And I think you know there there's going to be the possibility of uh, of a really good series and wait and did hope... you already write off the mavericks there's still a game seven that needs to be played you're, you're right you're right i i just by the way that the season has been going or the series has been going with whoever plays game. at home wins that's kind of how i felt so uh, i just hope it's a good game yes it, it is it sunday i think it's sunday yeah uh, i think it's probably well, yeah, I think it's gotta be game sunday. sevens or sunday it's gotta be sunday all right so oh, wait. Lot... Okay. wait go ahead well, the the Bucks Bucks is game is on Sunday too. Yeah, they played tonight. Yeah, why did the Celtics? I mean, why did the Mavericks get another day of rest and the Suns? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. Maybe that maybe the Bucks and the Celtics got an extra day earlier in the series. I'm maybe. not really sure. Okay, last point here. Uh, your Hall of Famers close it out. Draymond's energy plus Steph's clutch shot making. I know you were probably frustrated with how they both played in the first half, which I, I liked Draymond's energy from, from Jump Street. I thought even though he was making some turnovers, they were turnovers, and, and Richard Jefferson kind of disagreed. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, Richard Jefferson is a really good basketball player, but the way that I saw them, I, I watched more Warriors than Richard Jefferson this year, so I, I, I'll hold on strong to my opinion. But, Draymond was trying to throw guys open, like how a, a great NFL quarterback does, right? Nobody's open downfield. You throw, you can see, like the wide receiver's running to a spot. The wide receiver can't see in front, behind, and side to side all at the same time. The, but the quarterback can see it, right? So the quarterback throws that wide receiver open. And that's what Draymond was trying to do. Now, the passes were a little strong, or maybe someone cut. And he thought they were going one way. I didn't hate those turnovers because Draymond was trying to stretch this Memphis defense, which was just outstanding for the most part, especially around the perimeter. And so the, the ones that were frustrating were, were the lazy passes that were thrown into hands and stuff. The, the, those turnovers by Poole and staff were way more frustrating to me than Draymond you know, trying to be aggressive and, and maybe overthrowing guys uh, on outlet passes. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're used to Steph making shots. And it's, it's so frustrating to watch him. He was 6 of 17 from 3 tonight. This man shot 17 of his 27 shots from 3-point land. And he was bricking hard uh, late in the game. I think... I mean, I, I'm sure most people were were hoping this because we've seen Steph play for uh, all of these postseason games. My hope was like, okay, he's getting these misses out of the way because when it comes push comes to shove, he's going to find his rhythm in the fourth quarter and and hit those shots. And he did. That's exactly what he did. So I think 
even though I wouldn't say either guy played uh, more than a, a B or a B plus game, the timing in which they did was necessary. And they played well enough to where the Warriors did not get behind because the 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 score, uh, Grizzlies took, took the lead in, in the second quarter. The Warriors had the lead at the half. The Warriors had the lead by one at the end of the third quarter. So they were, it wasn't like, even though it was a game of runs, like 7 7-0 here, 9-0 here, they still kept the game close. And that's what they needed because they knew in the fourth quarter they were going to uh, to be able to, to hit some home runs. So that's my third point. And I know you're not too you're not too happy with that one, but uh, I mean, if you have any, <laughs> I thoughts. just um, I feel like I'm a kid who just discovered that like Santa's not real, and I'm trying to like say no, Santa's real. I swear, I've seen him before. Draymond and Steph were the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year within like two months of the season, or a month and a half, or two months. Like the, to me, the runaway candidates. Yeah. And first two months of the know, season, I just sure. feel like I'm a I'm a kid who watched that watched how easy it was for them. And I'm just like, ever since like December, I'm like, well, come on, when is it going to come back on my Mm -hmm. podcast? I'm literally saying like, yeah, I think Steph will get it back. You know, (laughs) when he starts that, that slump after trying to chase the three point record, like it's literally been since then. I feel like he hasn't had a consistent, like Steph nights as he did every single night in the beginning of the season. Yeah. So like, yeah, he showed up when it mattered. That's what's most important. And I don't know if I'm like, had this old head mentality or in that sense, but it's like, I feel like I hold them to a higher, a high standard and um, I hold them to an MVP and defensive player of the year standard. Well, I will say that there's going to come a time where uh, both guys will sort of have to take secondary roles on this team. Right. And, and I think what you hope at that point is that Jordan Poole becomes a star Kuminga becomes a star. Maybe Wiseman becomes a player and, you know, they're going to have to find other guys who knows from a free agency perspective, but clay and Steph and Draymond, you know, they have seen, uh, they've played in more big games in their career than they have in front of them left. And that is a hard thing to think about because, you know, you, you, we've seen this from, you know, we, we go back to 2000 and, 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 2012 2013 when you and uh, and your brother you know we're watching them beat denver in the first round uh, of the playoffs and and that's i i feel like that was when you guys really started to understand what how things were going and what playoff basketball was about and then from then on the warriors in the playoffs every year except for the last two years before this one because of all the injuries and so yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be a thing when both of those guys and we've seen a little bit of it with Clay because of the inconsistency. But, you know, we're all going like, what the heck? What happened to Clay? And it's just like, this is going to happen. And and next year, it may even be worse. And we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Draymond will become a, a vegetarian or, you know, they'll do some intermittent fasting. <laughs> or But Steph just she keeps getting more buff and buff every year. So he, he needs his protein. Um but yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I agree with you. It was it was kind of frustrating to watch them. And I, I you almost feel like a bad fan because you kind of take for granted how, how great both of them are when you need them. And then when it's not there, your biggest worry is like, oh, they lost it. Like, it, how did that happen? It, it, it can't happen. At some point, it's going to happen. But I thought, you know, they, they found it when they needed it in, in this fourth quarter here. Um, all right, so... The 
we, we talked about this a little bit. Uh, Dallas and, and Phoenix. I, I'm calling Phoenix at home. I, I don't, you know, I, I, Luca, Luca might have to have like one of the, one of the greatest games of all time, or maybe it's Brunson and these other guys just shoot the lights out from three. But uh, I, I think Phoenix wins, and I think I it's going to be Warriors Phoenix. But who do you want to play would be my question. So I was going to ask you this question, and I don't know if I want to go first. <laughs> who do uh, I want to play? I want to play Dallas because uh-huh. I think defensively, um, I think the Warriors will be able to exploit Dallas just as much as Dallas will be able to exploit the Warriors. But I think the Warriors have uh, bigger shot makers. Um, and and look, look, the the experience is, is kind of what we're banking on here. So I, I think the Warriors would beat Dallas. And I think I'm not sure I could say that about Phoenix, though I do think that series goes deep. My worry with Dallas is that I feel like they're finding some guys during playoff series and like that are stepping up and becoming playoff rotation guys in the playoffs. Like Frank Nilakina was a big part of their win in Dallas, and he hasn't really played like all season. Uh, Reggie Bullock has has been a great like three and D guy for them. Dorian Finney-Smith has stepped up. Um, and as we know, Brunson was able to drop like 40 points in a playoff game. Like all of these guys are finding some next year that we haven't seen in the whole regular season in the playoffs with Phoenix. I feel like we've already seen everything. They haven't shown me anything new. They haven't went to different guys. The only thing I feel like we haven't seen is Bismack Biombo. and whoop de doo. That's not a big worry to me, but my worry well, with the Mavericks is he's going to catch a few lobs. That's it. That's, yeah. That's it. It's just my worry with the Ma- Mavericks is that, you know, I think they might be able to catch the Warriors by surprise with just like, I don't know, just just these guys who have uh, who have stepped up in the playoffs and haven't that Warriors haven't like played this Dallas group. You know, they've played that Phoenix group four times, three times this year already. This Dallas group is different than what they've been playing. Okay, so so I would look at it in this way. Um, who do you want? Like, okay, so Mikael Bridges is an ace defender. He is uh he, he he is the kind of guy who who makes you know makes guards uh the, the it makes their life miserable basically. And so I I would feel like he's the best defensive player um in that series outside of Draymond. I think Draymond's the best and then Bridges and then like Wiggins. So then on Dallas uh, with Dallas, who on who on Dallas's team would even fit that bill? I think Dinwiddie's up there, and I think it's Dorian Finney-Smith has been playing like some small ball five somehow on DeAndre and But you know, like yeah, if you're asking for who's the Mikel Bridges, I would implore you to find that anywhere else in the league. And Mikel Bridges is like so unique in that sense. But I get what you're saying. Who's the guard stopper? Uh I guess the that I mean that attributes to your point that I'm even trying to hesitate and trying to figure out who it is. Well, I mean it's it's not like you know it's not like I'm a thousand percent right in in this. But but my like I said my worry is you have Mikel Bridges, you have CP3 who's gonna you know do some dirty stuff, 
and then you have Aiton to clean up any any of the issues, right? And and, and Crowder, Crowder's a, a tough guy. He's 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 gonna play bully ball. He's gonna you know he's gonna do everything he can. Now he's also older and slower, and and he's not a, as much of a shot maker. So maybe you don't have to worry about him as much. But you know you look at the Dallas side, um, the Warriors can isolate Luka Doncic, Luka Doncic, right? Like but you could do they? When do they do? Weren't we saying like when are they just going to start attacking Jaw in the series or like? And they kind of started, but it's just they did in in the third in the third game, and that's when he got hurt. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, so they you know they there was there was a lot of Steph going against Stephen Adams, going against Jaron Jackson. If if they get Luca matched up like that, you know that that's a, that's a thing for them, and I think. I guess the question would be, do you want the Warriors to play an up and down offensive style game or do you want them to play the defensive kind of game that they played in, in this series against against Memphis? This because series I think was the, uncomfortable. I think the Phoenix series would be a lot more like that. I think the it would be a lot more of, you know, possession by possession. And the Dallas series would be just up and down basketball. Who's going to outscore who? So mm-hmm. I, I think the Warriors probably have a better chance to, to win that up and down series than they do against Phoenix, but they have a good shot to, to beat both teams, right? That they're, they're there for a reason. Yep. Um, I just think I'm going to die on the Dallas Hill, to be honest. It might even mess with my basketball takes, but I called it from the beginning, man. And it just feels good to be right. So I might just die on this Hill. They look, they, they've been playing really well at home. They need to solve it on the road. And and we'll see. Sunday is going to be a very exciting game. Uh, okay, so um, nothing n- nothing much. This we're not even going to play the music because my guy he went from starting the last two games three three games. Jonathan Kaminga, the Kaminga watch, to not even playing tonight. What was up with that? What's the reasoning? What? How does that make sense? It's if it's, he, a, it, it's a Damian Lee. And Bielitsa, oh, over well, B- yeah, Bielitsa took right? his minutes, I guess. But how do you just go from starting? Like, there's no, it's either high or low, you know. There's no like, okay, let's try him for four minutes in the second quarter. It's just you're either starting for three minutes and getting yanked for the rest of the game, or you're not playing at all. How does that make sense? And it also is probably not healthy for him because naturally he's going to think, oh, well, I started. And then now I'm not playing. So it, so that game must have been all my fault. Now, I think he's he's a pretty smart guy. He probably won't feel that way, but that's sort of the natural way to look at it. I, I think he'll fit better in a series against Dallas. So that may be another reason to root for Dallas because I think he can fit in that series and he can play that up and down style and he'll get minutes. Phoenix will be a little bit different but you he may had use his best game of the season, in my opinion, against uh, against the Suns on Christmas. You, you might need him in spurts, like they would use uh, Javale when Javale was was with the Warriors. Like you would you would play Javale like four or five minute spurts, and maybe maybe once a half. And your hope was that he would get a block, you'd start the break, and he'd finish the break. Like that's that that was the hope, right? I think uh, I think Kaminga could do some of that. I just think, you know, in these playoff series, these teams are so smart, and somehow, with five seconds left on the shot clock, 
all of a sudden we're like, wait, how did Chris Paul and Kaminga, you know, get, how did he get Kaminga isolated on this thing? And it's like up fake, up fake, and Kaminga just fouls him. You know, it's just stuff like that where you're like, okay, that that's 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 gonna be a little little rougher for uh, for Jonathan. I think another thing to pick the Suns is that it's been quite clear that the longer a series goes, the more Chris Paul deteriorates. Yeah, and I mean it's it's damn near proven. Well, let's, well, he's got a lot of naysayers, right? For Game Seven, this is this is kind of what happens with him: is he he break he wears down, mm-hmm. and in some cases breaks down as you get to the end. And I have a feeling he's going to want to prove that false on Sunday, but we'll see. We'll like see. if I'm if I'm Luca, I just try and get opportunities to to be physical with him. You know, whether backing him down and and getting him, you know, in in positions to where he's got to like do things that he's not comfortable doing. So we'll that that, that I think it's going to be a terrific basketball game, and it's going to be the the X's and O's and the, and the chess match and stuff is going to be pretty interesting too. I'm with it. Um, I will. I don't know if this is completely relevant, but let I just, I'm just going to shoot into a a year forward, and it's not even about the Warriors, but. I think, you know, Chris Paul, I, I, if I had to look at it, I mean, if I had to guess, I would guess around 60 games played this season. Mm-hmm. He played almost every game up until the All-Star break, then has that like wrist or finger injury that kicks him Even, out for like... And then he played in the All-Star game with that, remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he still finished like the last two or three weeks of the season. So he played a lot this year. You know, when the Clippers were doing like that load management stuff, yeah. I do feel like he needs that. Like he shouldn't be playing 60 games a year. 65 is, games he played. Exactly. So 65 this year. Year. and if this is happening in the playoffs like push him to 40 the Suns are so good they don't need him you know a thing that I did not realize he let I think he led the league in assists if he didn't he was he was right up there he took and this is uh with the exception of the first uh, four years in his career because the NBA was a little bit different with the three-pointers in uh, in like 11 12 I, I think the three-pointers started going way way up this is the the lowest amount of three pointers that he's taken in his career, and lowest percentage shooting uh, for three pointers in his entire career was this year thirty one point seven percent. He made one a game and took three point one. So that's interesting. I wouldn't have even guessed that, but uh, but yeah, fourteen points, fourteen point seven points, sixty five games he played. Almost 33 minutes a game, which is the highest for him since uh, 2014-15. So, <laughs> yeah, like, why? You guys were the clear runaway. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but I mean, maybe they, you know, I'm sure they thought that they needed him on the court for that. Uh, okay, so uh, let's quickly talk about some of these other games because this dude went off tonight. <laughs> my gosh, I was texting my Celtics friend. I was like, you need like that that Jason Tatum game. Like he hasn't, he's been outshined by Al Horford by for like three out of the five games or something, and he hasn't. He I think Jalen Brown outshined him in another game too. So like he hasn't really been the best player for most of this series, in my opinion. And wow, <laughs> tonight he did it, and so did Giannis though. Giannis matched him. Giannis was like fourteen for thirty or something like that. Yeah, and uh, not having that second score really really hurt it's them. It's killing them. Yeah, it's yeah, really killing them. Tonight. But, you know, we talked about it. You said that they were going to go back, and I said that I thought they were going to close it. 
I've been way wrong in some of these games. I, I think I think I said I thought Philadelphia was gonna find a way to win the series. And what I underestimated is like Embiid almost like broke his face. <laughs> and he's playing with you know with a crazy injury. So I, I and underestimated also that. And and, and yeah, Harden was a zero. Uh, you know, I, I should have, at least we've seen him break down against the Warriors like that. So not surprising. Me. I know, but, um, yeah, so now call it game seven in Boston. This is, you know, this was the bucks kind of tanking the end of the season and not really caring about where they finished and Boston wanting to get home court advantage just for this game. Who takes it? I, yeah, this one's gonna be tough. <laughs> I got fifty-one percent on the Bucks winning, forty-nine for the like. How that's how close it is for me. I don't want to say fifty-fifty because I just think that Giannis is, uh that can can do it. I think Giannis can do it, but I got fifty-one percent. Like I'm not a hundred percent confident. I, I would probably pick Giannis too, just because of last year and him sort of understanding what they need, but. If Tatum plays like that again, then it, then it becomes the secondary players. It, it, like if your stars go mono imano and and kind of play evenly, then it's about the rest of your team. And I don't know if the Bucks have enough. Uh, you know, obviously Drew Holiday is a terrific defensive player, but he's not. You know, he's not a that much of a a creator as he is. Um, you know that this really. This this great defender, uh, I don't know. I, some somebody from from Milwaukee is definitely going to need to step up, and it, it'll be interesting to watch. But that's going to be another game. Like two, these are going to be two crazy game sevens on Sunday. I agree. Did you uh, any last thoughts on uh, the Heat? Did they did they impress you? Do they bore you? They, they bore me, but I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're tough, they, man. I feel like they don't have like a. I don't know. I think maybe I'm I'm overly critical on Jimmy Butler because there really isn't much to criticize. He shows up in the big games. He had he's been he's been awesome this playoffs. But I don't know. I just I just am not like a total fan of I guess the way he scores. It's not dirty or anything. It's just not like that big of like ooh or wow like oh crazy three oh crazy dunk. He's kind of just like a mid range guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's my that's my only critique on them. And the fact that my only critique is that Jimmy Butler's just a mid range guy. <laughs> They're still scoring. Isn't, you know, that probably bodes well for them, but uh, you know, the Duncan Robinson's not playing because he's such a minus on defense. I still think that they are the worst one seed since last year's Utah jazz. But uh, you know, I out of all the playoff, all out of all the teams, there's probably still on my, like my, my bottom half of it. I, I think it's just because they're not fun to watch. They're a very defensive-minded team, and and the way that they win these games is they just take out the other team's uh, shooters, <laughs> and so they make the games not great because of their defensive style, and that's not a fun way to watch basketball, uh, especially when you have all these other stars on the other teams. But if you don't have, if you don't have a Giannis, and you don't have a Jason Tatum. You know, you don't have a jaw, then your identity has to be a little bit different, right? Because you're going st- yeah. to stop these guys. But yeah, so I don't know. I, I don't, I would not, I don't want to see Miami like in the NBA finals. It's not going to be a fun NBA finals. They I match think. up against the Warriors well. 
Yeah, I will say that. But uh, so I would sort of be rooting for Boston or Milwaukee to beat them. Oh, but so does Boston. <laughs> but, but at least Boston has they have stars. You know, they they have a star and someone who's sort of a budding star, and so that yeah. that's kind of exciting. Rather than you know the whole oh, is Kyle Lowry going to be limping up the court and maybe hero maybe hero comes and and plays but you know or maybe it is the crowning of jimmy one jimmy buckets maybe maybe that becomes a story but uh, i'm rooting for the other stories just because i think they're more interesting me too uh okay so uh we'll be back wednesday night which is game one of the western conference finals if phoenix wins game one is in phoenix and if dallas wins game one is in san francisco so that is something to look for. Uh, all right. So uh, we are really done quick here. though. Yep. Go. You should. It. We should mention that it should. You should want to play um, Dallas because the Warriors are the three seed. The Dallas Mavericks were the four seed. That would mean the Warriors get the home court advantage in Game Seven. So that that adds to your point. And I think Joe the majority, Lacob gets another home game and more revenue for the <laughs> league. <laughs> I think. I think the majority would agree with you there. I'm just like. Not a hundred percent. Um, I, th- I think the majority of the NBA fans, and, and I think it's the right way of thinking, is just that the Phoenix Suns were the best team all, all year. But the, mm-hmm. to me, they seemed vulnerable and beatable. And I think teams are like like the Mavericks are figuring themselves out playing against the Suns. And to me, that's scary. But we will see. That's my last takes on it. It is, it is a good place for the Warriors to be in if they believe that they match up well with with both teams. Now, I think the basketball nerd kind of the ones who study things, you know, that, that you're looking sort of deeper into the numbers. I think they would say that Phoenix is a, is a harder matchup just because of of the youth and the length. But then the Warriors also played like crap against Dallas all season long. I feel like uh, that would, did they beat Dallas once? (laughs) I don't remember. I don't know. They might've been once, but, I remember they got killed in Dallas one game. Like because we split the Phoenix series two two. Yeah, but yeah, Dallas has got. I remember a lot of Dallas losses this year. I I, I I'm not sure if we got one. Dude, there was one where they lost by like thirty. I just saw mm-hmm. Lucas smiling. Um. All right. So uh, yeah, Wednesday night. Uh, I think the game is at six. I think all the the Western Conference Final games will be at six. So we'll we'll be on a little bit earlier than the 10 30 or the 10 o'clock that we have been. So that'll be better. Okay. So follow Brian's uh, network of podcasts at the BAM pods on Twitter and at the BAM pod on Instagram. As always, if you are watching this on, uh, on uh, YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Um, if you are listening on the podcast feed, give us a little bit of a rating there. You know, five stars will help us with our algorithms and such. So, all right, we're done here. We will see you Wednesday night after game one of the Western Conference Finals. For Brian, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.